The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel good sounds. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories from my recent quick trip to Puerto Rico, which was really fun, my run-in with the cops, some flirtatious passengers, bioluminescence, and hot sauce. The music for this show I recorded in a fun restaurant in Old San Juan. And let's get on with the show. So I live on an island. uh, And, uh, you know, it's sort of, I I don't know if you want to call it a small town, but I was coming from L.A., so it feels small town-ish to me. and what I've learned since I've been here is that I don't know if the cops just don't have that much to do, but I have learned because I've been pulled over quite a few times now that I can't speed. Uh, um, I because you know you can only get tickets a few times before they suspend your license, and then I, I how am I getting to work? So you know it's important. So I literally now because I've been pulled over more than once for a stop sign, I stop and I count to five. One two, three, four, five, which seems excessive to me, but I don't want to get pulled over anymore. So sure enough, came to the same stop sign. I've gotten tickets before, before they, 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 they sit there and they wait. So I counted to five, one, two, three, four, five, which seems plenty of time at a stop sign. Actually, it seems like way too much, but sure enough, there go the lights and the sirens. And I'm thinking, crap, crap. And it pulled over again. So now I've come up with this uh, acting experiment. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> but I put my hands up. You know, you don't want to get the cops nervous. You know, let them see your hands so you're not reaching for anything. Uh, and then when they come to the window, I have to say I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> It's the last two times I haven't gotten a ticket. I act so scared and nervous and fumbling. And uh, I say, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) And then I'll say, I'm going to get, I'm going to reach into my glove compartment. Um, 
I'm sorry. I get very nervous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Little hands up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> to the point where they're like, it's okay, miss. <laughs> you know, they start feeling sorry for me because I'm so scared and upset and nervous. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just thinking, please don't give me a ticket. <laughs> and you don't want to be, you can't be, it's just like with the customs officials. You can't be argumentative. You can't say, hey, man, I stopped and counted to five. What do you want from me? Because then you're going to get a ticket. So even though I felt like I was in the right, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so nervous, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I did anything, I'm sorry. And he's like, do you know what you did? And I'm thinking, I didn't do anything. <laughs> but I didn't say that. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He said, you need to come to a complete and final stop. And I'm thinking, I did, I did, I did, behind the white line. Now, granted, in this intersection, you sort of have to get out there to see. So I don't know if I was behind the white line, but I stopped and counted to five. So I'm not going to, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Ah! <laughs> so I took a quick trip to Puerto Rico. Haven't uh, hadn't ever spent much time there. I had been to San Juan on some layovers, not very long layovers. Really, only saw the ocean, um, not that much. And I've always been slightly curious about Puerto Rico. And there was a bioluminescent bay that I really wanted to see. So uh, I flew to San Juan, and then I took a little plane. I know I live my life on planes, but those little planes. Uh, this was a nine seater. It's fun. <laughs> and slightly scary. <laughs> And, you know, stupid me, uh, that happens a lot. Stupid, stupid me. Um, I bought a standby ticket on this little plane. Uh, I didn't realize how little. Like, I figured it was, like, going to be a 20-seater or a 30-seater, not a 9-seater. Because, you know, when you, I realized later that that was pretty stupid because, you know, your odds of there being an empty seat when there's only nine seats are just less. <laughs> but I got on both ways. So that was actually uh, thrilling. So, um I'm on that little plane. I go to Vieques. Um, I don't really know anything about this island in Puerto Rico. It's a Caribbean island. It's fantastic. Goodness gracious. There's, there's thousands of wild horses roaming around this beautiful Caribbean island. The people are nice. Uh, I stayed at this beautiful hotel. And uh, pretty. And they had a the key was a bracelet. And like I said, I spend a good portion of chunk of my life in hotels and I had never had a bracelet key before. The key to the hotel room was a bracelet and it was waterproof, which is perfect on an island where you're going to be swimming and snorkeling. This way uh, you don't have to leave your key or figure out where to put your key or hide your key. Just wear it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I get to this little island and um, this is something I've noticed when traveling. Sometimes I think you get your expectations too high. Um, I don't, you don't know what you're expecting, but you, like I had read in the book that it was like this idyllic, I was staying in uh, Esperanza, uh, idyllic little Caribbean beach town. And then when I got there, uh, the town was really only like five restaurants. I didn't even see a store, uh, but I did have a pretty hotel. Um, but at first I was thinking, well, I booked three, three nights here. Now I don't know if there's going to be enough to do here. Well, just as it, as it happens so often, actually most often, is the second day you realize, well, this place is great. <laughs> I think the first day is just getting there. You're tired. Uh, you, you've, you've had something in your mind. And when you get there, you think, oh, hmm. but uh, just like normal, 
the second day was really nice. Got up, had a nice breakfast. I decided to take a long walk. Uh, I thought, I'll just go this way down the beach, <laughs> which is a great uh, plan for me. You know, I just love to not really know what I'm doing. So I started walking and I got to um, Sun Bay. It's this beautiful giant long beach with just very few people on it and uh i was just blown away because it's just you know there just aren't that many places in the world where you just have that beach took me like an hour to walk along and uh, i think i saw 30 people in an hour and there's there's wild horses on the beach how fun is that and so then i saw a guy a local guy selling um coconuts and I just love that. So uh, I ordered one and he's macheting my coconut for me. He's like this fit guy with blue eyes. And I said, oh, so um, are you from this island? And he said, yes, my whole life. And then he said very casually, um, I hope it stays this way. And, you know, there's only so many islands in the Caribbean. I mean, it's really hard to imagine it could stay so like deserted and not built up like it is having you know, thousands of wild horses. And so what I said was, um, well, I don't see how, how it can. And he said, well, if you think that way, we've already lost. And I was like, wow, sometimes when you're traveling, the most random people say the most profound things. So I said to him, are you from this island? He said, yes, my whole life. I hope it stays this way. And I said, well, I don't see how it can. And he said, well, if you think that way, we've already lost. And I mean, I just, uh, I just sat there drinking my coconut thinking, wow, it's a fantastic thing to say. <laughs> okay, so then I had to, this, this in juxtaposition, <laughs> the next day, I was at this uh, beach, I rented a car and was just wandering around the island in a car and uh, just driving by, saw a pretty beach and then went snorkeling there and it was beautiful. And uh, I was getting out of the water, you know, taking off my fins and my mask and everything. And there were two guys. I think there were like five people on this beach. <laughs> it's like paradise. Anyway, but the two of the five people uh, on this beach, they were yelling something at me. And so I was kind of like, huh, I wonder if I'm doing something wrong or I don't know. So I wander up and they yell it again. I can't hear them. So I get a little closer and they say, uh, what's the name of the company that uh, makes the cranberry juice? And I said, Ocean Spray? And they're like, yeah. Ah! The two of them are like hitting their legs. Ah! And I was thinking, and then I just was walking away going, <laughs> where here is. Sometimes the most random people say the most profound things. Other times... When you're traveling, people say the most random things. <laughs> Weird. I was in Miami. Okay. We were on the L1011 and this really cute flight attendant. I mean, really cute. And blonde hair. Um, and all the guys used to hit on her. Yeah. And so she was working in first class. And so this gentleman up there kept trying to get her to her attention and everything. And she just wasn't having any part of it. And so then she went to the back and she was picking up and the, all the guys in the back started hitting on her. So she went back up to first class and the gentleman that had been hitting on her in first class gave her a key. A key? With a note in an envelope with his address and asked her to come and meet him while he was in Miami. And so she went back to one of the guys in the back 
and delivered the key and the address to him. Did he go? I don't know, but we, we were all wondering how much fun that would be to watch. I know. So my reasons for going to Puerto Rico were twofold. And uh, one is I just was interested. I'm sort of slightly obsessed with bioluminescence, you know, that, that creatures can create their own lights, like fireflies or um, these flagellants that were in the, the bay that make it glow. Just the fact that like a single cell organism can make its own light or, you know, that fish, there's that, that great looking fish that's, that you find it very deep in the ocean that has its own light hanging out in front of them, like, like its own porch light. I mean... It's just fantastic. Nature is so fascinating. So I I have this fascination with bioluminescence. (laughs) And also the other reason why I went there, and uh, I couldn't decide if I should mention this to you guys because, um, you know, logic and prudence would say, don't mention something if there's a good chance you might fail at it. Because if you don't mention it, then nobody knows. Then, you know, you don't have to eat crow. (laughs) But, you know, I, I've been sharing with you for so long. I just feel like um, I'll share it. And if I fail, I fail. You know, sometimes, you know, you're, you're only as good as how many times you fail at something. So anyway, I have been, I have this new project that I'm excited about. Uh, I've been trying to write fiction. And my idea is to write short stories in the Kindle single format, which is like um, 20 to 80 page stories. They're like 99 cents. They're eBooks. Uh, so, you know, they're, it's short fiction. And uh, this is why I think it might good is that my idea is that I get I get emails from listeners who would like a little more detailed information about the places that I'm going, you know, like restaurants, hotels, just in case they want to make the trip or, uh, or, or they're just interested. And um, I thought, well, I could do that and then add the bonus of a fictional story because I've been, I've had a hankering for writing fiction for maybe a decade now. And I have Oh, gosh, probably 200 ideas for fictional stories that I've been keeping, you know, in a shoebox. <laughs> Notes on napkins and stuff. And uh, my idea is to write different types of stories. It'll be all across all different genres and stuff, but set in the places that I've been. So it'll sort of be sort of like my journey, but with fictional characters. And uh, if you guys like a certain set of characters, and I'll continue on in that series. So... I, um, the, the one that I'm, I'm finishing up right now, which would be the first one is set in the Cook Islands where I went in November and, uh, the big hurdle will be getting it accepted by Amazon. So we'll see how that goes and I'll, I'll keep you updated. But then the next one I was working on is, uh, has to do with bioluminescence. So I wanted to go to Puerto Rico to the bioluminescent bay. (laughs) So anyway, enough of that. We'll see how it goes and I'll keep you posted. But um, that's part of the reason why I went to Vieques because they have, uh, there's 20 bioluminescent bays in the world. And this one on Vieques is the strongest. So it's best to go when there's no moon or the new moon. And just happened the days I had off. It's like past, it's like getting towards a full moon. So it wasn't, I knew it wouldn't be as exciting as it would be if it was darker. But um, so you sign up for this night kayaking tour, they're like glass bottom kayaks. And um, I, they, they, I was told where to meet 
for this tour. And I, I'm waiting there. And here comes this Wall Street guy, you know, probably has a lot of money and his real pretty foreign girlfriend. And uh, we're chatting out there. And in the email was very specific that you can't take pictures, which I thought was a real bummer. Plus, you couldn't take pictures on that little plane. Uh, which I thought was crazy. Why can't you take pictures? But no pictures. <laughs> Such good view and stuff. Would have been a good video. Anyway, no pictures in the plane. No pictures at the bioluminescent bay. Well, this Wall Street guy was like, well, I'm going to try to take some pictures. And I'm like, well, they told us not to. It's just like you're not supposed to wear um, bug repellent. Because they, they're worried about, you know, this is the this bioluminescent bay is the strongest in the world. And that stuff could be toxic to them. So it said specifically, no bug repellent. And if you were going to wear it, it had to be natural, you know, eco-friendly stuff. And this Wall Street guy was like, well, you know, F that. I put on a bunch of DEET. And I'm like, well, you weren't supposed to is what I'm thinking. But, you know, I'm not here to be kindergarten cop. So I'm just trying to keep my mouth shut. And uh, we we get the rest of our people. And we're in the van on this bumpy road going down to the bioluminescent bay, which is in Mosquito Bay. <laughs> when you're not supposed to wear bug repellent and, you know, they have the Zika virus there. So slightly worried about that. And the guide was saying in the van, well, if you guys did, you know, decide to put DEET on, it's not going to matter because these mosquitoes don't respect that. <laughs> I thought that was funny. They don't respect the DEET. <laughs> and I could see the Wall Street guy going, mm. <laughs> So anyway, I got to be in the kayak with the guide because I was by myself, and which was great because I had more interest, I think, than anyone else in the group. And I got to ask him a bunch of questions. And at first, you know, it just seemed like a nice night kayak, you know, on a bay with surrounded by mangroves. But I wasn't really seeing anything glowing. And I was thinking, oh, darn, it's probably because, you know, the moon phase. Uh, and then I was like 10 minutes in when... He said, look at your paddle. And I looked at my paddle and the perimeter of the paddle was glowing because the, the creatures, they, they glow when they're touched. So it looked like I had an electric paddle. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and then he's like, put your hand in it. So I put my hand in the water and my hand was glowing. And like where, where it was moving, it was like trailing light from my hand. It's like light was coming out of my hand. I was like, oh, it's like a superpower. He's like, put your foot in it. I put my foot in it and my foot was glowing. I Then he, he got us all together in the kayaks. He's talking and I could barely listen to him because I was just so busy playing in this glowing water. Like, this is fan-freaking-tastic. <laughs> I mean, the fact that these little creatures, they're single-cell organisms. They're a hundred times smaller than a, a needle point, and they can glow. <laughs> and how many of them there must be in there to, to make that bright a glow. Oh, I just was, I was blown away. And so then we get back, we put the kayaks, and uh, he tells us to hurry up and get in the van because, you know, the mosquitoes will get you. And I could see the Wall Street guy scratching and scratching. <laughs> and a whole bunch of mosquito bites, even though he had doused himself in deep, which he wasn't supposed to. And then he says, um, I was going on. And I'm like, that was so cool. My gosh, I just thought that was fantastic. And he's like, um, I was underwhelmed. <laughs> it was so perfect as he's scratching. I was underwhelmed. Uh, it's just those people. It's the same people you remember the story a long time ago when these flight attendants, I was on the plane and one of the flight attendants was saying, oh, you know, 
always in such a good mood. You're always smiling. And this sourpuss flight attendant said, I find it irritating. <laughs> and it's like, of course you would. And of course this Wall Street guy would be underwhelmed by creatures that can create their own light. <laughs> Perfect. This came to me from a listener named Mark. He said, I just listened to your latest show and the bit about the conversation between the air marshal and the immigration official reminded me of an incident that happened to me a few years ago. I'm British and was visiting New York with a friend for a weekend. I'm blind, and so I was holding my friend's arm as we made our way off the plane. I had my white stick with me, but since it was one of those collapsible ones, I just had it in my hand. We got to the immigration line, and after a few minutes, we got to the front. My friend was called over first, but since we were both tired and it was noisy, I went over with her. As we got to the desk, my friend said in a rather tired way that I should just wait there. The immigration man looked at my friend, and even though he had obviously worked out that I was blind and was being guided, he asked my friend, Is this man bothering you, ma'am? My friend turned to me and said, Well, it's been a long flight, and well, yes, he is a bit. The immigration officer smiled and looked at me and said, Do you have anything to say, sir? So with a straight face, I leaned towards him, gently raised my white stick towards him and said, I believe it was one of your presidents who said, speak softly and carry a big stick. He roared with laughter. So that's my claim to fame. I made a U.S. immigration official at JFK laugh out loud. I think I made his day. Thanks, Mark. So I have mentioned in the podcast many times that um, passengers are always asking, I don't want to say stupid questions because no, there's no stupid question, right? But they ask interesting questions about the immigration forms. You know, there's that famous one, uh, why do they want to know how many times I have sex Monday to Friday? You know, it says sex, MF. Uh, but not just that. I mean, it's a constant question thing. So this girl comes to the back alley. She's about my height, large rack, <laughs> you know, like double D's. Uh, not that that makes any difference, but I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, so she says to me, uh, I have some questions about this form. I'm like, okay. And she goes, it says here, um, occupation. And I'm thinking, oh, good Lord, you'll know what occupation. And I'm like, um, well, what do you do for a living? And she goes, well, I don't, I don't have a job. And I said, oh, then write unemployed. And then she's uh, asking some other questions. And uh, eventually she says, well, I'm 15. <laughs> I'm calling her unemployed. Of course, a 15-year-old doesn't have a job. <laughs> she's the unaccompanied minor. I just didn't know. I hadn't been working in that cabin. And that, the thing is, these days, uh, children don't necessarily look like children. I mean, this girl had a, had a, she was busty and she didn't look, I mean, I would have thought she was 23, but I didn't know she was a 15 year old traveling by herself. And she, she says, what do I put for occupation? And I'm thinking, unemployed, <laughs> you slacker, you child, you don't have a job. <laughs> it was a, a Dubai flight. Uh, and you know, people take this ambient crap, man. Right. And there's all kind of things that happen. So this passenger's, uh, was sleeping and apparently he took some Ambien. He got off his seat, 
and he turned to the seat next to him and he started peeing on the guy. I know, they do that on the time. seat right there. And uh, he just finished his business and went back to sleep. And the guy that he peed on, he was completely shocked of what was going on. And he, he walked to him and he woke him up and he said, you know, you just peed on me. <laughs> and he goes, no, you're kidding me. I said, yeah, I'm serious, you just peed on me. So the guy uh, apologized profusely and offered to pay for his dry clean and all of that kind of stuff. He gave him, I don't know, three or four hundred dollars for really? that. Yeah. Well, so, that was nice. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. a polite ambient exactly. zombie. I was talking to this guy who used to be a flight attendant for Pan Am, great guy, and uh, he was telling a story how he was on the plane, you know, this was a long time ago, I think it was a 747, and uh, this guy gets on with a giant pipe, like a really big pipe, and he says to him, "Uh, you know, how in the world did you get this far with this big pipe you know you can't bring that on the plane you're gonna have to put that in cargo the guy's like no man no man I can't I can't put it in cargo it's the exhaust pipe for my Ferrari and if I check it it's gonna get bent I can't I can't check it man I gotta do something gotta put it somewhere and he's like well it's too big it's not gonna fit anywhere he's like come on man it's my Ferrari it's my baby and the guy's like huh shoot where are we gonna put this giant pipe so he thinks to himself and he thinks oh There was a time on the 747 where they used to have remote rafts stowed in the ceiling. And there was like a mnemonic device that would bring it down. And then, you know, if there was an emergency, you'd have to take the raft out, hook it to the airplane and throw it out. But then when they got the doors with the slide rafts, which is what we have on all the modern planes, uh, they took those remote rafts out. So that compartment up there in the ceiling basically didn't have anything in it. And he was like, well, I guess, man, maybe I'll... I guess I could I could put it up there. So he, he puts the thing down from the ceiling, puts the pipe in there, and he thinks, all right, you know, it's all good. And so they land, and, he, he, you know, the guy's like, hey, man, I need my, you know, my Ferrari pipe. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So he, he opens the ceiling, and the pneumatic device and comes down, and he, he's looking. He's looking, and there's no pipe. The pipe's gone. He's thinking, what? Huh? But those remote rafts, were secured with like straps and probably metal clippings. And when he had, he didn't have any way to secure, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't built for a Ferrari pipe. And so when he had put it up there, they always realizing when they took off, the, the, the pipe went somewhere in the ceiling, you know, and here the guy had been worried about it getting bent. <laughs> if he checked it, well, I bet you if you put it in the ceiling and then take off and it rolls back down, it might get a little, might get a little bent that too. And he said he had to call Pan Am and say, I lost a um, uh, Ferrari pipe in the ceiling. They had to get some mechanics and they got it out. One of the things I really liked about Puerto Rico is that just about every restaurant I went to, they had homemade hot sauce. And ooh, I love hot sauce. And especially homemade hot sauce. There'd be like mango hot sauce. You know, there'd be like medium, hot, all different colors. And it'd just be like in homemade jars on the tables. And I was like, when I get home, I am going to make my own 
hot sauce. And so when I get a bee in my bonnet or, you know, something up my skirt, I, you know, so I, I wasn't home a day or two where I thought, I am making hot sauce. <laughs> Googled it. You know, it's so easy now. You don't even have to get a cookbook. You just Google it. And I found a first recipe. Didn't seem too difficult. Called for 20 jalapeno peppers. So I went to the store and I thought, well, you know, I don't have to only have jalapenos. Look, look, these habaneros are pretty. Uh, I'll get some of those and maybe some poblano. And, uh, well, you know, the mango was good in Puerto Rico. So I'm just sort of, you know, I've never done this before, but I'm tweaking everything. And so it called for it to put these peppers, you know, with some garlic and some onion and, and a pan over high heat. And then uh, to cook it for 20 minutes over high heat. Well, let me tell you, my gosh, I was asphyxiating myself with these pepper fumes because it started just smoking. And I guess the maybe the habaneros are too hot. I don't know. But my place, I don't have that big a place. And all of a sudden I started... <coughs> My eyes were watering. I was coughing up stuff. I was like starting to feel a little ill. And it's really hot out, so I didn't really want to open all the windows or anything. And then I I had like um I started putting a t-shirt over my face. <laughs> my I I mean, but I had already gotten all the ingredients and I was hell bent on making my hot sauce that I, I didn't wanna, you know, abandon ship. <laughs> I tell you, I really almost asphyxiated myself with pepper fumes. And you know what? Eventually, it did taste good. It does taste good. Uh, I might do it again, but I'll, I'll have to figure out. Maybe I need a gas mask or something to make uh, hot sauce. I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind. If you were going to buy something on Amazon, and a lot of us do, you were so, so nice. And go to my website first, BettyInTheSky.com. It doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show. And I like to see what people buy. This past month, a couple books people bought were Dragons Love Tacos. I Married a Fisherman. And these next two items are very apropos. (laughs) Some Carolina Reaper Chili Pepper Powder Wicked Reaper, World's Hottest Chili Pepper, and some dried Trinidad Scorpion Chili Pepper Pods. (laughs) So, you know, if you're just going to maybe even just buy some hot sauce that doesn't uh, asphyxiate you or make your eyes water or cough up phlegm, you know, if you want to take the easy route, just go to Amazon, click through my website, BettyInTheSky.com, supports the show, and thank you so very much. Yes, something did happen. On the way to Tel Aviv from JFK, we had just finished the um, dinner service, and a lady got up to go to the bathroom, and she passed out before she got to the bathroom, and she lost all facility, all faculties. She pooped and peed herself completely, and um, she had no pulse. And so we're working on her, and uh, we have all these doctors around, and this lady came. This lady was asleep during the meal service. She came and tapped me on the shoulder. And said, when are we going to eat? And I said, we're a little busy right now. She goes, well, what does that have to do with me? And I just said, go sit out. Yeah. Yeah. I like when they ask you for a diet. Right. Yeah. You got the oxygen. Right. We have oxygen now. We have the the EMK out. They're, you know, they're they're using the defibrillator on her. She's pooped herself. So there's poop everywhere. There's pee everywhere. Yeah. 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 What about me? Yeah. I was working first class to Amsterdam, and these two women 
uh, we're traveling together and we're during the boarding process and they said, um, can, can you do us a favor? And the answer to that in first class is always yes. You know how much these people pay to sit up there? And I'm like, sure, what is it? And she takes out these uh, fur-covered water bottles and she asks if I can fill them up with hot water. I'm like, okay, sure. So I, it takes a little while because they're kind of big and furry and I fill them up and walking back with these two furry water bottles and this other first class passenger stops me and said I didn't I didn't know you could get those I'll take one of those he thought it was part of the service we make everybody a furry hot water bottle I'm like no 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 they brought them themselves people were asked they asked me a lot um what what can I do you know if I want to get a job as a flight attendant. And um, what I've realized now is uh, you really need to work on your patience, which was always the case, but these days is even more so because of the big headsets and even the little headsets that we hand out, the cheap ones, uh, because everybody, nobody can hear you. So this is how things normally go now. And you have to try really hard not to mind saying everything four times. Four times times 250. So you do the math. But it goes like this. Um, I'm coming up with the beverage cart. Uh, I know you have something in your ears, but, you know, it is large. Weighs a couple hundred pounds. There's two of us on it. And I say with a smile, something to drink? No response. So I either tap or wave and I say something to drink. And then they, they, they fiddle with their screen and try to hit pause then they, they, they stumble taking out their, their headsets, and I say, something to drink? And then they say, what? <laughs> this is what after the third time. And then I go, something to drink? And I want to say, something to drink? <laughs> but I don't. I try, try. You try your hardest. So that's what you have to do if you want to be a flight attendant. On the fourth time, you still have to say, something to drink? Not something to drink. <laughs> it's the same, which is worse because it's longer, on the meal cart. So uh, it'll go something like this. I'll pull up with this big cart and I'll say, would you like the chicken, the vegetarian pasta or the salad? No response. I, I tap or wave or move my hands up and down. And then they look at you and then they're fumbling with their headset. And you say, would you like the chicken, the vegetarian pasta or the salad? And then they're the fumbling. And I could tell they still haven't heard. So I say, would you like... The chicken, the vegetarian pasta, or the salad? And then they always say, this is what it is every time, what? <laughs> when you want to go, what you like? The chicken, the vegetarian pasta, or the salad? That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye.